Hi, I'm Michael O'Connell, host of the It's All Journalism podcast. For more than a decade, It's All Journalism has produced a weekly podcast featuring interviews with working journalists, educators, and media thought leaders, all discussing the ever-changing media landscape. We've covered a wide range of topics such as solutions journalism, mental health in the newsroom, local news startups, investigative reporting, online harassment, and new technology. Over the years, It's All Journalism partnerships have played important roles in expanding our reach and ensuring that we are able to continue producing our weekly podcast series. We are currently seeking new partners to help us keep this podcast going. If you believe in It's All Journalism's mission, if you want to see these conversations continue, go to itsalljournalism.com and click on the partnerships link and find out how we can share your company or organization's good work with a wider audience. Maybe we can produce a podcast series for you or host your next webinar. The It's All Journalism team is ready to spotlight your organization's good work and keep these important conversations going. Go to itsalljournalism.com, click on the partnerships link, and let's collaborate. And now, here's our latest episode. We've not figured out how we're taking the time yet to really come together and sit down and say, okay, how do we do this well in a way that does the best job we can at safeguarding the importance of of news as well as people's access to fact-based news. The explosion of digital media has created an endless cycle of change and response. How can we prepare for what's coming next? Can we? I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. Amy Mitchell is Executive Director of the Center for News, Technology, and Innovation. CNTI recently launched an independent global policy research center, which seeks to encourage independent, sustainable media, maintain an open internet, and foster informed public policy conversations. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you've only been at CNTI for a short period of time. And I know you re- you research. How did you, you know, tell me about your your career, you know, your interest in journalism and the, you know, the research side of things. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll say I've only been at CNTI for a short time because we just launched about a month ago <laughs> in September. I actually started, took the position as the executive, founding executive director in November. But I've actually worked in the space of journalism, public behavior, and and policy for quite a while. Even while I was still an undergrad at Georgetown here in D.C., I worked doing content analysis and coding of news media content for what was then Times Mirror Center for the People in the Press. I was later a research assistant for Norm Ornstein at American Enterprise Institute, where one of my main responsibilities was the book, a book called The Congress, The Press and the Public. I then helped launch the journalism line of research funded by Pew back in 1997 and worked in that area, directing the research around news and information at Pew Research Center up through the fall of 2022. So I've I've had a long focus on research around that intersection of journalism, public and issues facing society for quite a while. One of the things that led me to this new role at CNTI is that over the last few years, I'd grown increasingly concerned in the various public engagements and conversations I was having 
about the lack of progress we were making in addressing the challenges of our digital news environment. And in many cases, a sense that it seemed like we were going backwards, especially in safeguarding and independent news media and people's access to quality news. I felt there was a real need to launch something like CNTI. And so what do you see as its mission? I mean, what is it doing and how is it doing it? The mission, as you stated, is to encourage independent, sustainable news media to maintain an open internet, which is really about people's access to fact-based news, and to foster informed public policy conversations. We'll do that by synthesizing and conducting research, and also by convening global experts across industry, across technology, across journalism, policy, civil society, to have thoughtful conversations that are aimed at trying to find solutions to these pressing challenges. One of the core areas that's really essential to the work of CNTI is collaboration, that we come together, that we get in the same room and have these kinds of conversations. It's built into our foundation If you look at our board members and our more than two dozen advisors, they cut across these areas of expertise and from also many different parts of the world and certainly don't agree on all the aspects of the challenges we're facing, but all care deeply about addressing these issues and worry about consequences if we don't. I like the idea of collaborating around around these issues, things like open internet, AI, because you know, different industries, different types of businesses are going, to, are going to be impacted by these technologies. And, you know, something that one business, you know, maybe is conquered or at least has more experience in, but that information not be readily available. So having a place where you can sort of bring that stuff together and exchange ideas and, and inform each other, I think that's huge. I think so too. Certainly while we're here and the website, innovating.news is meant to be at that kind of digital resource. One of the things when we launched this past September, we launched the website as well, and we were able to publish the day of launch eight issue primers. So stepping back for a second, we've laid out 15 key priority issues, which again, you can find on the website that range from everything like how to address disinformation in a way that doesn't end up putting at risk people's access to fact-based news or the safety of journalists. How do we address issues of cybersecurity without unintentionally inviting in harmful actors? How do we increase algorithmic transparency in a way, again, that doesn't end up putting risks at safeguarding journalists and the work that they do? For each of these, we are doing creating issue primers, and we've been able to publish eight already. And what these do is they lay out the complexity of the issue, especially when we consider that question of safeguarding an independent press and open internet. So what makes this actually so hard to create policy around? We then go through and synthesize the research to date. What does the research around the world tell us about this issue? And we link to, you know, we offer a summary, but then we link to a lot of original pieces of of research and reports with, you know, descriptions of what they offer and kind of what their focus is. And then we also say what's missing, where are their gaps, where does more research need to be done, whether it's CNTI that does that or, or somebody else. 
And then we do the same for legislation around the world. What is happening legislatively around this issue? Where are we seeing new legislation being proposed? Where are there things that have been passed, et cetera? As well as other kinds of resources like experts in the area that somebody might want to reach out to or events that are happening, whether they're CNTI events or others. So we're really designing this to try to be a place people can come to get a good understanding of what are these really complex issues. You recently came back from a conference that sounded really kind of interesting. Could you tell me about that? Absolutely. We hosted our first official convening this past Friday out in Mountain View at the Computer History Museum, who also helped co-sponsor the event. And it was terrific. You know, the goal of these is to have these kind of constructive evidence-based difficult conversations and to think through what are perhaps the not, you know, the sexiest topics for headlines, but are really critical in constructing any policy, legislative or otherwise. This particular convening was the first in our series around how to enable the benefits and manage the harms of AI use in journalism and the delivery of, of fact-based news. And this session this first one focused on important definitional considerations. So, for example, how should policy even define artificial intelligence to begin with? What goes in that bucket and what doesn't? How should a journalist be defined or a publisher? What language should be used around inputs and outputs for AI? How do we use language that builds in future technological changes? We also talked about some of the definitional considerations related to copyright and, you know, what are the complexities there when we think about the digital scope of copyright protections, outputs, as well as inputs in these areas. The whole issue with copyright is kind of fascinating. You know, it was something that was created in the print realm to sort of, you know, you write a book, you're selling a book, you're selling an item, but we don't have that physical thing per se. And so it's very easy to spread that type of information widely. I and mean, how do you protect the author? How do you protect the copyright owner? That's a business consideration. That's a policy consideration. What laws are going to be put in place? So again, you know, collaborating about this, sharing information, identifying issues. It seems like a good idea. I agree. And there are so many complexities when you really start to dig into this question of copyright in the digital space. And particularly, we're looking around the, the space of journalism and news. And, you know, we don't certainly don't have a, a global copyright law. <laughs> so there's also that. And also, let's step back a second and, and talk about AI. I mean, it was just a few months ago that chat GPT sort of emerged. And people were sort of crazy about it, that it was somehow going to replace all the journalists. But if you think about it, there are lots of other things we've already got that we're using that resemble a lot of what that AI is doing. And the whole considerations around AI just haven't really been thought through. You know, how do you integrate it into a journalism structure? And, you know, as you said, how do you define what AI is? Yeah, there's a lot of focus right now specifically on generative AI and AI more broadly has been used and is being used in the journalism space as well as a lot of other spaces for years. So AI itself is not something that's new to the industry, but you know this is certainly a, a new form of it. So it's important to have the conversations. It's important to have them in ways though that are thoughtful, measured, and really trying to lay out 
all of the complexities that we should think through before taking a particular action or creating a policy of one kind or another. Remind me, I think you kind of said it, but I didn't do the math. How long were you at Pew? 25 years. And was it the last part of it that you were focused on, you know, journalism and that type of research? No, the whole time. I helped launch it in 1997. And then I stayed there. And the line of research, it certainly evolved based on the issues we were facing, which was fascinating. From a researcher's perspective, if you just look at not only the changes in, you know, when we initially launched, the focus is around losing the undergirding principles of journalism. And we did this series around the country where we listened to conversations and debates about the core principles from transparency to verification. And then we turned to the issue of bloggers taking over journalism to the economic upheaval, which then sort of never went away, but the digital transition and more. But at the time when we launched in 97, the Pew Research Center actually didn't exist. We were just our own little project funded by the Pew Charitable Trust. And then the Pew Research Center came into being and we became a part of that larger larger entity. But I've been leading the work in that space and working in that space this entire time. That's kind of amazing. And I know that the internet, air quotes, had been around before 1997, but, you know, it really was kicking in in the late 90s. And so you were in a place where you were seeing these changes day in and day out and these challenges emerge. And, you know, over that period of time, did you see much, I mean, did you see sort of a pattern maybe that something new would come in and that people would have difficulties and trouble and, and maybe they were able to adapt to it or maybe something else changed? Was it sort of constant change or was it something that seemed to sort of go in cycles? I would say there's there's always change. There were a couple of different points at which I think can sort of resonate with where we are today and some of what CNTI is focusing on. And the, the first was that the coming in of bloggers and the wringing of the hands and the worry that bloggers were gonna, you know, quote unquote, ruin the news space because they weren't gonna do reporting. And they were going to, you know, not be truly grounded. Well, it turned out that it was actually pretty hard to cover news <laughs> and to go to events. And so there was still a lot of work for journalists to do. So it didn't end up being the threat to journalism that many were talking about. And when in the early days of developing digital news, you know, platforms we had back in the day, aggregators and the the Netscapes and the e-politics and you know, there's been continuous development since then in terms of how people are getting news and information and the ways that they relate to it. And technology has certainly played a very large and in many cases, importantly, positive role in being able to give smaller kinds of news outlets, startups, independents, you know, be able to actually reach audiences looking for their the kind of news to say that a minority part of the population would have a harder time finding or just a smaller news organization to be able to actually create and put out some quality news. At the same time, it also can invite negative uses of it. And that's a part of the balance that society has been facing as, you know, through all these different iterations of technology. And I think today, the great complexities of the digital news environment, we have the global nature of it, the pace at which it's changing, the understanding and need for some kinds of policies to manage this. 
and it all happening in ways where we've not figured out how or taken the time yet to really come together and sit down and say, okay, how do we do this well in a way that does the best job we can at safeguarding the importance of, of news as well as people's access to fact-based news? How do we approach these challenges and harms that we're seeing happen in society while remembering the importance of these other elements? I've been doing this podcast for over 10 years, and I remember in the early days the phrase citizen journalist, this idea that, oh, no, somebody down the street's going to you know, get their cell phone and they're going to take pictures of some accident. They're going to be posting things that you know, shouldn't be posted online. But then you know, seeing how that technology evolved and how newsrooms were able to incorporate that into how they covered live events. And I know one of the things that CNTI is supporting is the idea of an open internet. You know, this technology has given a different groups the ability, as you said, to have their own news, but also to participate in a way. And if you think about, you know, the death of George Floyd, other incidences, you know, those were not journalists covering something. Those were people on the street shooting video. And the impact of that is is tremendous and changes policy. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's impactful, but it's on the one hand, it's important to make sure that people have access to it. But then on the other other side, you have to be able to, I don't know, not, I don't want to say control it, but create a space where things can be verified. I know this happened with when Russia invaded Ukraine and we've also seen it recently in Israel where there were just things that were pouring into the news environment that were being shared in, on news sites that were either fabricated or just, you know, taken somewhere else. Some of it was deliberate disinformation, but other of it was just somebody sharing something that wasn't purported to be what it was. That's tough. And it, and it fits into the whole disinformation, misinformation problem that journalism is wrestling with. Yeah. And there's no easy answer, right? CNTI is certainly not suggesting there's an easy answer, an easy fix, and, you know, a quick way to get to where all is good <laughs> and safe. But we have to try to figure out how to create the best spaces we can that really seek to provide and protect that fact-based news at the same time that they are also working to guard against the harms. One of the other elements of our at the core of our work is this global outlook. CNJ believes it's it's really important to assess and think about internet policy from a global perspective. Because on the one hand, it's very important to understand country level differences. And in many cases, we are not as you know very good at, at understanding those differences. It's also the case that our digital news system is naturally global. And so even if a policy gets passed within the geographic confines of one country, it in many cases both impacts and is impacted by policy in other countries. So it's really important to be aware of even how a particular policy passed in one country may impact things that are happening or impact the people receiving news in another country. I wanted to ask you about CNTI's has got a new multi-part in-person series on AI and journalism. Is that going to be sort of like what you've already done with some of these other topics? You know, how's that going to, I guess, roll out or 
be presented? Well, so the first one is the convening I was talking about a little bit earlier, which we just held. And that was the first of what we're laying out as a three-part series. This first one focused around these definitional considerations. The second one we're planning to have focused around sort of the question of legislative versus organizational policy. Where might one be more or less beneficial or more or less risky? And within each of those, what are the specific considerations around what is often a third party that is in charge of the oversight structure, right? Is who's guiding that policy, who's making the decisions within that policy. Those oversight structures end up having quite a bit of authority and control. And it's really important to think about the long-term implications of how those are laid out and constructed. Then the third in the series, while they all have a global, certainly are global, have a global mix of discussants and have a global awareness to them, the third one will focus very specifically around the global factors that need to be taken into consideration and people need to be knowledgeable about around this issue. We'll write short reports out of each one. But we'll then also have a fourth final report that really sort of brings all of the findings together. Perhaps with the fourth event, it'll just sort of depend on how much we can cram in. <laughs> so ideally, how do you want people to use this information? Are you making it for like industry? Are you making it for politicians, the average, you know, journalist on the street or, or average person? How are you rolling out and presenting it, I guess? I'd say we seek to be a, a resource and a collaborator with, right? A resource to and collaborator with all those involved in debating, covering, shaping policy in these areas. I'd say our core audience is policymakers and others at the center of internet and media policy debates and formation. I certainly hope that those working in this space will also benefit from the greater reach and impact of their work. So hopefully researchers will find this useful as we use their research in a way to, you know, synthesize and shine a light on what all the research adds up to, for example. And that ultimately society as a whole will benefit from better informed policy that protects their access to independent fact-based news. Excellent. This is really kind of fascinating, I think very important to the the overall discussion of where we're going in journalism, where we're going as human beings who are consumers of information. Amy, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Michael. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who report the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter. To make sure you don't miss an episode of It's All Journalism, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Amazon, and pretty much anywhere good podcasts are found. If you'd like to help us grow our podcast, like and share our episodes on social media. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco is our audio producer. Amber Healy writes our web content. Amelia Brust is our booking manager. Steph Thomas manages our social media. Nick Dupre composed our theme music. Carolyn Belefsky designed our logo. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening. <laughs>